Ronananian. It's nice to see that as the technology of the car improves and the, the difficulty, the degree of difficulty of, of, of repairing them goes up, the technology is actually being applied to help us find the repair pieces. Doctor, let me ask you the important question. What does Tom's wife want him to do? Well, she'd like a new car. How many years you married, Tom? Uh, 40 years. Okay. You haven't learned happy wife, happy life? Buy her a new car. Get it over with. We're done. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie and Andy and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. More information about us at cardoctorshow.com, as well as it links to and get out to Car Doctor Facebook page and uh, Spreakerspreaker.com, where we do our podcasting through. If you want to take the show off of a, uh, instead of getting away from radio, you can do it uh, vis-a-vis podcast. Um, you know, however it is, and take the car doctor with you. Just click subscribe or favorites, whatever it is, because uh, that helps us pay the freight. That helps us, uh, you know, prove to our sponsors. And, and uh, you know, radio is a business at the end of the day, and we're just trying to be here for you. So help us out so we can help you out, and uh, that's that's all we ask. Um, I am Ron and and been doing this. Oh, yeah, this isn't exactly my first day. I hate to think of how long I have been doing it, but I think we've been up here on radio coming up on uh, 26, 27 years. I see Mr. Ray is moving to the microphone for a microphone I was just going to say, you know, we... Uh we we kind of hate to think about how long you've been doing it too, so you know, not a problem. You know, it's 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 funny, Tom. I think about how long I've been I've been fixing cars and doing radio, and it just, you know, it just sort of it's it's flown by. And I think, you know, it's funny. I start thinking about retirement dinners because uh, not that I have got any any great visions anytime soon, but well, I, I think you know it sort of goes with this story. So a 2010 Cadillac DTS came into the shop this week at RA Automotive. And the problem was, it was kind of strange. Like, I'm not used to seeing the strange ones, right? The The power steering system had a whine to it. It, it. it sounded like a politician complaining about election results. And no matter what you did, it just wouldn't quiet down. Yeah, the power steering system was low on fluid. And there was evidence of fluid leakage around the engine compartment. But no place could you pin it down on. I topped up the reservoir a little bit. There was a little bit of air in the system. I drove the car. The the power steering whine quieted down, but it was still there in a large way. You just knew it wasn't going to go away. And I let it sit for a day. I had some time with the car, and, you know, I was trying to, you know, you got to get a feel for the repair. You've got to know where it's going. Mechanics intuition kicks in sometimes. It's just, it's just. You know, it's like whatever you do for a living, whatever your job is, you just have certain thoughts and energies that you feel, and you're just trying to, you know, put them in a pigeonhole. Get them in the cubbyhole so you can, you know, where am I going? What direction am I taking? How am I going to solve this problem? 
Well, the next morning I went out and I started the car, and it had no power steering. It was, you know, a Model T had more power steering on it than this. It just, you know, you'd crank the wheel, and it was just rock hard, just no steering assist whatsoever. And I'm thinking, boy, isn't this strange? Because I didn't tell you this part. The car is owned by an 89-year-old little old lady. And I'm thinking, unless she's got arms like Gorgeous George that I can't see, uh, you know, this is something new developing, right? The power steering system is, it seems like it's failing. So I looked around again. I, I, I saw fluid but couldn't pin down exactly where it was coming from. It just, boy, you know, it just bothered me. Mechanics intuition said, don't do anything. Parked the car another day, got in it the next day, started it up. Sure enough, again, no power assist. And then the power steering pump started buzzing. It started making noise. It had that hydraulic to it that you always hear when, when hydraulics are stressed. And I checked the fluid level. Fluid level was good. It really wasn't down, but there was clearly something going on. Well, I had enough information at this point. Where do you start? you got to start at the beginning. You've always got to go back to basics. Always go back to square one. There's only one thing I know of that will create a no power assist condition in a power steering system. Two things, actually. All right. One is we've got a bad pump. Easy enough to assume, but, you know, can we prove it? In this case, no. But I did have wine. I did have noise. I had all the indications of a pump failure. But I also had no power assist, which could also be a bad rack. And General Motors products being what they are, they've got more morning sickness some days than maternity wards. And, you know, and then I looked and I did the little I did the little pinprick test where you take a little sharp awl and you just, you know, down around the bottom of the wet power steering rack bellows boot on the right side. And sure enough, a drop of fluid came out. Aha. The rack is leaking. The rack has a leak into the bellows. It needs a rack. Well, at this age in mileage, it's eight years old, and it's got a fair share of mileage on it. I like to do racks and pumps together. And the reason being is, if the rack has failed, usually it's by contaminants. Something has gotten in there, broken down. Pieces of Teflon are starting to clog the system as, as, the, as the piston rings. Uh, there are piston rings in a steering rack or rack seals. Um, and you get into a pump. Let's do a pump and a rack together. No better way to solve a power steering noise. I've got pump wine. I've got rack failure. This system's going down the drain. Put a rack and a pump in it, right from GM. Well, actually, it took a little bit more than that because, uh, you know, we talk about we talk about how things go wrong, and this job was dogging me all week. So whenever we order parts, we order them by VIN. All right, we give the dealer the the eight the, the the last eight digits of the seventeen digit VIN, and we order the parts. So the parts show up. Gee, this this doesn't look right. This power steering pump doesn't. It just ah, maybe I'm looking and you you hold it and like you orientate it and ah, something doesn't look right here. This just it's close, but it's no cigar. It's you know it's and it's got to be right. It's not like being a little bit pregnant. Either you are or you're not, right? So you know, I I call up and I talk to Parker up at the dealer and I said you know and he says give me the last eight of the VIN again. They give him the last eight of the VIN, and I said, you know, the last three digits are 432, and he goes, 432 or 437? I went, uh-oh. You know, there's that mechanic's intuition kicking in again. You're like, you hear the little bird in the back of your voice, your head with the voice going, mm. So it turns out if, if it's a 7 instead of a 2, it now turns those parts into not for a 2010 Cadillac DTS, but for a Buick Lucerne. Well, that won't work. Um, you know, it's no way am I putting Buick parts in a Cadillac, so... 
Parker, we're back to square one. We have to reorder the rack, reorder the pump, etc. Well, it turns out that they had they had them in stock. So yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, I loaded everything into the little shop truck, the little Ranger, and I took a ride. I went, you know, thirty minutes north, thirty minutes south, came back, and about uh, later than I wanted it to be, I started putting parts in this Cadillac. I wanted to finish my week on a positive note. I'd like to do that. You know, you guys can always tell when I've had a good Friday at the shop because I usually have a good radio show. You know, not that we have a bad one, but the better ones, you can tell what went on in the shop. How am I doing so far? So, did the rack, did the pump, had the wine, bled the air, okay? And the car seemed fixed. That's all I'm going to say. The car seemed fixed. The wine was gone. I had good power steering effort by the time I was done. Went down the road straight, shot the alignment. Everything was good. Let me give the car back to the little old lady for the weekend. Uh, you know, and that little voice in the back of my head, all right, 43 years of fixing cars, something's nagging you. It's just, you know, where did the fluid come from? I still haven't seen anything. You know, I could see the fluid leak down bottom, down low, where it came out of the rack. But how did the power steering fluid get on top of the valve cover, all the way at the top of the engine? Doesn't make any sense. Went out, took a, took a can of brake clean, washed down by hand the entire valve cover, the power steering hose that came across the top of it, and I found a contact point, and it's... You know, <laughs> right? You know, you just, and it's got a shiny spot to it. And I went, hmm, I wonder if that's a wear mark. And I started the car after washing it down, and I didn't see any fluid. And then I happened to take a mirror, and I went under the entire length of the hose that you couldn't see by eye. And as I'm watching, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm dragging the mirror, and I'm looking, and I'm, oh, wait a minute. what, What's that? A little tiny, the size of a pinhead, wet spot appears. GM wraps the power steering hoses in a fabric-type tape, this generation Cadillac. And I wiped it all down with the, with the, with the brake clean and, and the rag. And a little tiny wet spot, a little puddle was forming as the engine was running. As I watched with the mirror, the puddle started to grow. A little, I mean, it was small, like the size of the head of a pin. And then it got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And it got to be about an eighth inch in diameter. Bang, there's my leak. Shut the car off, order the power steering hose. We'll do that Monday. The point is, had I let the car go, it would have been a problem because sooner or later that customer would have had to come back and they would have had a leak. And did you really fix my car? Yeah, I really fixed your car because it legitimately had a rack leaking. It had a noisy pump, which could have been air-induced by the hole in the pressure line, but it also could be just from general age. The fluid was really black and beat up. The bottom line is, sometimes systems fail really completely. Everything goes bad. And it's, it's not an impossibility. Sometimes in the best interest of longevity and a complete proper repair, the difference between a $2,000 repair and a $2,300 repair, what's the difference? It's only $300. But in terms of inconvenience to the customer and preventing a potential fire hazard, because that's always my concern with power steering fluid leaks, because power steering fluid has a very low flash point on a hot exhaust manifold, mm -hmm, as Don Rickles would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't want to you know, cross that line. Sometimes mechanics intuition, I don't know. I think when I get to that retirement dinner and they say, so what would you leave behind for the next generation of mechanics? 
practice your intuition and get to know it because sometimes mechanics intuition that'll lead you to where you have to be and get you home nice and safe 855-560-9900 always listen to little voices inside your head i'm ron and in the car doctor we'll be back right after this Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to, is that Lila in Wisconsin, 05 Chrysler Town & Country Minivan. Lila, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Thank you very much, Ron. You're very welcome. Ron. Um, my, my car in the w- last winter, you know, it gets cold here, right. and my window would go up. Real, my passenger window would go up real slow, and then it would go a little further, and then it would stay up. It would go down fine, but going up. And I thought, oh boy, I need a motor, but I put it off because I figured it'd be expensive. And so summer came; it worked wonderful, no problems at all. So I thought, well, it can't be the motor, then it's something else. So I'm wondering if you have an idea of what I can do. Well, the motor itself or the linkage, you know, things get old. I mean, it's an 05. It's 12 years old, and things start to bind, right. and um, you know, they don't they don't work as well. One of the one of the simple things you can do and i'll do this on oil changes in the shop and i have for many years and i find it to work quite well is you know look at the rubber that's around all the windows today right all the rubber the the, the tracks and the guides i'll use a little spray silicone uh, you know just simple spray silicone available at any hardware store available in any auto parts store and i'll i'll either spray directly into the rubber so that it soaks in and then i'll operate the window a couple of times to you know kind of you know, spread the silicone up and down and back and forth so it, you know, oozes its way into the, all the pores of the rubber. Or I'll just take mm-hmm. it, I'll, I'll put it on a shop towel because I've got concerns. You know, sometimes spraying on the rubber, you'll, you'll get it all over the place and, uh, um, you know, it could possibly, you know, get on the interior and, you know, stain silicone can stain. So you want to be careful with it as you spray. I'll just put it on a shop towel, you know, with my finger and just, you know, put, wrap my finger around the, wrap the rag around my finger and you'll just, you know, stroke the rubber, you know, around the perimeter, and then I'll do the edges of the glass. Um, you'll be amazed how well or what the difference could be with, with a silicone rubber channel versus a glass rubber channel. Um, that'll help things just glide more smoothly. There, there's, a, there's a friction level to the rubber, so to speak, as the rubber ages, that it gets dry and it, it, it doesn't allow the window channel components to glide you know think of it like skating across the pond it's you know sometimes there's good ice sometimes there's bad ice the silicone will help replace that now you know the 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 right repair although it's not economically practical and in some cases it's not parts available practical is you know obviously you're either going to put a window motor in it because a window motor can get tired all right it's just an electrical motor and and you know a little more drag causes that motor to slow down and fail or you're going to change the rubber components but you know before you get to that Try the silicone. You know, it's 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 a case of I will. you know t- seven, eight, nine dollars on a can of silicone, or you know three hundred dollars for a power window motor. Which one do you want to try first? Uh, <laughs> You're right. You know, and then You're and right. then and then do all the windows. You know, you'll 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 do all the windows, and you know generally you'll see a difference. If there's an issue with rubber as it ages and weathers, you'll 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 see a difference in the quality of um, and how well that window goes up and down. So that can uh, that can make a big difference for you. All right. Right. What about WD-40? Well, WD-40 is an oil. 
All right, so now, okay. you're, now you're going to be putting oil on rubber. I mean, I like WD-40 in certain applications. I like WD-40 right. um, and liquid wrench. They're, they're, they're both decent-based lubricants. Um, they've got certain amounts of silicone and other you know, um, gliding mm-hmm. agents, if you want to think of it like that, in them. And I'll like those on rubber components. We'll use them sometimes to spray lube suspension and rubber components in the shop. But my concern is on a window, it's, it's almost too much oil, number one. Number two, you know, if you happen to want to you know, look cool and drive with your elbow out the window and you're laying it on the rubber, you get you know, the oil on your arm yep. and your elbow, and then you're dragging it back and you get it on your clothes, and it just makes a mess in and mom yells at you. Don't ask me how I know that. Um, uh, you know, so, yeah, the silicone, and you'll see the silicone will almost appear that it evaporates over a, you know, mm-hmm. 24-hour time period. And then if you happen to brush up against the rubber, it's okay. But the idea right. becomes that, you know, the, the, you're, you're trying to revitalize the rubber in a sense, if, if you okay. want to think of it like that. And that's what the silicone will do. And, you know, siliconing okay. all the window rubber tracks and even the weather seals, even though, like, if you have a rear hatch on your van and you want to, you know, maybe get the hatch to seal better against the elements, you know, look at the difference of the color of the rubber sprayed and unsprayed, and you'll see how much the rubber seems to look like it's more alive after it's sprayed, and it just, you know, kind of lets that seal wiggle against the uh, body of the door and, um, you know, seal all that much better. You may also want to, if the rubber is really old, and we're talking about body seals, is to take a shop towel and clean the schmutz. Schmutz is an industry term that builds up where the rubber meets the metal body and just wipe it all down and then spray with silicone and then close the hatch and let it bake for a while. And uh, you'll see a difference in how all that that, that, that sets up and seats up. All right? All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Marla. Merry Christmas. You're very welcome. Merry Christmas to you, too. I wonder how cold it is in Wisconsin this time of year. It can't be, um, it can't be the warmest thing in the whole world. But, uh, yeah, they're battling that and... Um, uh, you know, simple things like silicone just make a big difference in the way that in the way that vehicle will operate all winter long. And uh, the other thing, I guess, and I, I I I'll I'll mention this if Lila calls back and for everybody else out there, you've got to watch on older cars too when you don't silicone or when you continue to operate a window that's struggling like that. In in some cases, they actually use a plastic or nylon track. You know, like a a toothed track to, 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 to pull the window trolley to let the window go up and down. It's when that plastic track or trolley gets brittle and hard that it fails, and that's when you get the oops. You know you know what the oops is, right? You're going to put the window up, and oops, all of a sudden it fell into the door. Um, that's an oops, because now the track is old and brittle, and you have to replace it. So, uh, you know, better to fix and figure out why it's so hard going up and down, rather than just, ah, let me just push the button and make it work a little bit harder, because something's going to break sooner or later. 855 I am Ron Anany in The Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Welcome the car doctor. We're here in studio today with Lucy, the wonder dog. Lucy, tell us everything you like about Tom. There you go. There you have it, folks. That dog always knows best. Dogs are so smart. Let's get on over and talk to, let's go talk to Russ in North Carolina, 82 Chevy S10 pickup truck and uh, some bad vibrations. Russ, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? 
Hi, how you doing, Ron? Good. What's going uh, on? I've got a '82 Chevy S10 short bed. Okay. And uh, I put a small block Chevy in it with a turbo 350. All right. And it's got a, a regular uh, 10 bolt rear end. Right. And between the speeds of say 65, 62, and 70 miles an hour, it'll shake your teeth out. Driveline vibration. Only when you're on the pedal. I have. Uh, no, all the time, whether you're on the pedal or not. Okay. Does it get? It, does it I, get I had worse? All the, I, I had all the. Excuse me. Okay, I was going to say, does it get worse when you step harder on the gas? Uh, no, not really. It gets a little more consistent. Okay. But it it's but it it comes in slowly, gets real bad, then it slowly goes out. Okay. Um, what what sort of steps have you taken to diagnose it? Anything? Uh, well, we you know we checked the balance on the tires. The wheels and tires are all new. Drive shaft is new. I brought that back to the guys who built that, and they checked that, and it was fine. U joints are all good. Okay. Uh, I, I I checked the, the the angle of the pinions about three. They say to have it about three degrees down. So when it's under load, it'll come up, and then it'll be about zero. But the only thing problem I think I might have is I have the transmission up as far as it'll go in the tunnel. And it's not quite straight, but it's pretty close. And I was just wondering how much of a angle do you think you can have before you start causing problems? You know, it, it's funny. When I built Black 2, I'll go back to Black 1. When I built Black 1 as a kid, um, you know, you don't know what you're doing when you're 17. You're just sort of guessing and hoping. And, you know, you put things together and, yeah, however it runs, it runs. Black One had a wicked vibration in it, similar to what you're describing, that I later on found out was related to the angle of the transmission, how it met the front of the drive shaft. And I always wondered, I should have taken that car back and, and redone it to see if I could have fixed it. But when I did Black Two, the second 55 Chevy in my life, I was very careful, and I found a, just a stock 55, and I measured mounting locations based off of that to mount the trans for Black 2. So, you know, my angularity was the same. So my comment to you is, you know, I don't know the exact number as far as angle of degree. Three almost sounds too high for, for pinion angle. But I would tell you to find another S10 and measure off of that. Measure mounting location and see if you could match that. You know, if you're looking at that, if you're looking at that front yoke and it's got any angularity to it, does it, or is it just a straight shot coming off the back of the trans? It's got it's got a little bit of an angle. The back of the trans would have to go up, and there's tunnel problems because the turbo 350 right. is bigger than the trans dump right. that was originally in it. So yeah, that's that's what I thought you were describing to me. It almost sounds like you're going to have to lift that portion of the so the trans has to come up. So right now you have you have downstroke, so to speak. The front the front of the drive shaft is actually pointed down a little bit when you when you Correct. look at it. Yeah, that that's. See that's wrong because you're you're actually loading it in the wrong direction. Um, so yeah, yeah okay. I'm going to tell you. So maybe we get a tunnel patch. Somebody must make a tunnel patch yeah. kit, or you know, just some sheet metal, and just you know, lift up the back of the trans, and you know, that'll take that out. Have to have to do a. A physical modification, possibly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> physical modification to the tunnel. Exactly right. Um, there you go. When they when they checked the drive shaft, Russ, did they check it for balance and straight? 
Yes. Okay. Yep. They had it on on the, the machine, and it's it's, okay. it's a brand new drive shaft. Right. It's perfectly straight and balanced. Right. So. Okay. All right. The so new then, joints are all new. The yoke the yoke is new. So. Right. Yeah, and then then I think I think okay. drive shaft angle is really you want to be. And I'll tell you what, Russ. Stay on the line. Tom just gave me the thumbs up. We're giving away a Super Chips Dash Packs Plus this week. Uh, all new performance programmer from the folks at Super Chips. It's got a five inch high definition screen, upgraded processor. It works on Wi Fi. Great for tuning the vehicle of your choice. Stay on the phone. We're going to be sending that to you, courtesy of the folks from Superchips, superchips.com, and have yourself a Merry Christmas to everybody down there in North Carolina way, all right? Okay, thanks very much, Ron. You're have very welcome, Christmas. Russ. You're very welcome. Take good care. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. Let's pull over and take a pause. We'll be back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, once again, congratulations to Russ down North Carolina, winner of today's Super Chips Programmer Plus, courtesy of the folks at Superchips, superchips.com. Let's get over and talk to Doug in Maine, O2 Subaru Impreza, and some uh, problems with acceleration. Doug, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron, how you doing? Thanks for having me, and really appreciate what you do, man. You're You're very welcome. Oh, my pleasure. How can I help you, sir? Well, it's 2002 Impreza um, TS, um, and it's in mint condition, and I drove it for a year with no problems at all. And then it all of a sudden started hitching up, like when I'd go to throttle it, like to go past somebody or up a hill, it would uh, hitch up, cough and sputter, and... What I found to do was let off and feather it, and then it would come out of it, and I'd have all kinds of power. And so my motorhead buddy, we we replaced the – now, you're going to have to help me on this because I'm not the motorhead, but it's either the map or the the other one, the one that isn't in the air cleaner. The, the, The mass airflow sensor? Mass, yeah. Is that the one that's electrical on top of the engine? Well, there's a bunch or of things the, that are electrical on top of the engine, so that's a hard question to answer. Um, okay, it's that little, uh, uh, really expensive. It, it was it was those letters anyway, but I can't remember. He did it, and that didn't do anything. It wasn't the one in the air cleaner. It was the one. Uh, what's the other one? That's mass or map? Well, let's see. Map. Mass map knock sensor, air fuel ratio yeah. sensor. Oh, that's what it is. Yep, he air, did that one. Air fuel. Okay, and then we did the coil. Okay. And it took it away a little bit. Now, this is what's weird. I thought, well, why wouldn't it cure it completely? And then I drove it. I was, like, happy. Wow, this is cool. And then all of a sudden it did it again. And then, But it won't do it all the time. It only right. does it once in a while when I go up a hill, but not like it used to. Any, so I, this just baffles me. Any, any check engine light, Doug? You're going to say no. Uh, no, no check engine. Okay. Now... Are you, are you saying you're sure he changed the air fuel ratio sensor, or you think? Oh no, he did. He yeah. did. He, okay. We bought a new one and put it in. Okay, um, expensive and part, right? I, I mean, it, it, yes, it wasn't the one in the. We don't have that in that year, uh, in the air cleaner. You know, the one that's in the tube, I guess. Okay. Well, that would be a mass was, that that would be a mass airflow sensor, which is completely different than an air fuel ratio sensor. Okay, because this one doesn't. They did away with that. They used to have both, I think, in all one. Okay. He told me, and then and you probably know. And then so we didn't have that, so we did the other one, 
and I and um, that really didn't do anything. I'm thinking you're telling me he changed the map sensor. Yeah. Well, a little electrical, really expensive thing on top. Yeah, but they're all different. You know, I mean, a map. And a, okay. Yeah, let's let's do this. Let's have the conversation this way. Do you have okay. a scan? Do you have a scan tool by chance? Uh, he does. Okay. So what I want him to do is to look at fuel trim. All right. What, okay. do you, what, do you, what do you do for a living, Doug? Uh, tractor trailer, gas and oil. Okay. Yeah, Forty-one so, years. All right. So you you yeah. know you know well, when that you know when you got a bad load of diesel, right? The truck doesn't run right. The cetane rating's not right. right. There's too much wax in the system, yep. or they don't have they don't have the blend of fuel just right, so you can't pull the pass with a full load on the rack, right? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're we're, we're going to talk about air fuel mixture. Okay. We're going to talk about fuel balance. Uh-huh. So what a, what a car can do, what a car has the ability to do today, um, you know, we look at a scan tool and we can look at we can look at fuel trim. Fuel trim is that balancer blend of fuel and air coming out the tailpipe, or burnt fuel and air coming oh. out the tailpipe. All right, that's what okay. fuel trim is. In, in 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 high school, we all talked about in high school auto shop. We talked about a balanced air fuel mixture, fourteen point seven to one. All right, and how that's perfect combustion and, and, and the engine's operating uh-huh. at peak efficiency. But a scan tool uh-huh. can, can kind of tell us that. So if we look at a scan tool, there's going to be two fuel trim numbers we're going to be concerned with. And we're going to talk about OBD2. There's always two languages cars speak today. Since 1996, the emission control systems allow for two, two languages. We're either going to speak OBD2, all right, which is standard emissions protocol, or we're going to speak year, make, model. So your Subaru has OBD2 and O2 Subaru. It's like speaking French and Spanish. They both say the same thing, just slightly different languages. But we're going to talk about OBD2. OBD2 gives us a language all its own. We're, We're able to converse at a universal level across all vehicles. Okay. So okay. your friend's scan tool likely speaks, well, at least it speaks OBD2. It may speak your make model. But have him go in okay. under OBD2. Have him look at fuel trim. Okay. There's going to be short-term right. fuel trim, which is here and now. All right? What would you have for lunch today? Oh. Doug? Uh, Italian what? sandwich. Okay, you had an Italian <laughs> sandwich. What would you have for lunch two weeks ago? You don't remember. Uh yeah, that's right. You probably don't remember. That's long-term fuel trim. Long-term fuel trim happened a while ago. Short-term fuel trim happened now. All right? That's so it. so you're going to look at oh. short and long-term. Long-term, typically on a good car, and you can hook it up to a good car and see the difference. Long-term fuel trim on a good car is going to be plus or minus 10%. Short-term okay. fuel trim is going to be typically plus or minus 5 maybe 6%. All right? But on a sick car, you'll see things like long-term fuel trim plus 15%, short-term fuel trim 10% and creeping up. When hmm. when a vehicle gets to combined fuel trim of about 25%, long and short, it typically sets a check engine light. Oh, so wow. if, if your vehicle is running at, let's say, 22% combined fuel trim, uh-huh. That's not going to turn on a check engine light, is it? Right. But is it going to be a sick okay. car? You betcha. 
All right? Yeah. So there's a whole bunch more to learn looking at a scan tool than, well, I'm waiting for the light to come on so I can see what the code is so I can Google it and change whatever the part the guy in Iowa changed because that wow. must be what's wrong with That's my car crazy. in Maine. Right? Right. That's the whole purpose of fuel trim. That's the idea. Okay. All right? So, wow. you know, let's use the scan tool for more than just reading codes and Google searching. Okay? Um, the other thing I want you to look at is go look at calculated load. If your okay. car, if your car has a mass airflow sensor, which I believe it does, go look at calculated mm -hmm. load. Calculated okay. load is it's sort of like you know how fast that car moves when you put your foot to the floor. It's like when your wife says, "Take right. out the garbage." Which way does the husband go? Does he go from <laughs> Does he go from twenty two to 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 fifty percent, or does he go from twenty two to a hundred percent? You know, if he wants to keep mama happy, he goes to 100% because happy wife, happy right life. Right on. So, yeah, right, right on. See, he's a member of the club. So, you know. Yeah, you, you, 41 years. Right, yeah, yeah I, there you I, go, I bro. Right on it. Yeah, there you go. It's, you know, um, listen, now, sometimes you wonder you're an over-the-road trucker. I never see her. We're happy. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's the way it works. Um, so, you know, let's go look at wow. calculated load. From about 20, 25 okay. miles an hour just creeping around on a side road. Just take yeah. your foot and hit it to the floor. Make sure there's nothing in front of okay. you, like your wife. Right. And make sure you don't, uh, you know, you just want to get to, you know, see where calculated load goes. Just do a wide open throttle pull, like when you were a kid with the big block in high school. Right. All right? You want to, oh, you want to, you want to see that thing. You know, you want to see that mass airflow report over eighty-five percent on the typical good car. All right. Then okay. at least you know the mass airflow is capable of reporting and capable of allowing the engine to breathe properly. And come back to me with that number. But fuel trim is going to be the barometer. I think you're going to see okay. fuel trim out of whack on this, and then you're going to see a calculated load problem because it sounds like fuel trim is screwy enough that you've got a an air fuel problem possibly leading to another sensor. Do that. Call me back next week. Oh. We'll continue this conversation. All right, sir? Wow, that's awesome. Man, okay. I'll tell you that. And it, it, exactly. So that's why I wouldn't be doing it all the time. That's right. I mean, sometimes that's I right. calm down on it. Right. And it's and it's beautiful. I got right. It's a lot of power. I mean, yep. it's awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's. But that would that would make perfect sense. So, and if you want to hear this conversation again, you can just log into the Car Doctor page. Get over to the podcasting. This is about uh, forty minutes into the second hour, and you can download this and play it for your buddy. Okay, I gotta go. I'm up against the clock. Good luck to you. Keep me posted, Doug. I'm running in the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the car doctor's 24-7 phone number. Don't forget it. Write it down and uh, use it when you need to during the course of the week. Bob, Plainview, New York, 11 Acadia. How can I help, sir? What's going on? Hey, Ron. It's an honor. I'm a long, long-time listener. Thank you, sir. How can I, what can I do for you today, Bob? I'm at work. Neighbor calls me up. 2011 Acadia. Hey, Bob, can I change my battery? First cold snap. Car didn't start. Okay. So I said to him, yeah, sure. Why not? He, I give him a recommendation on a power frame technology battery. Right. He finds one, brings it home, says to me, how do I get the hatch cover off the battery? There's this crazy screw there. Oh, yeah. So he takes a picture. You know, it's like they can't put a Phillips head screw in the little battery cover. No. So... And then, okay, we finally get over that hurdle. And then the, the factory battery, okay, granted, pretty good that the original battery lasted seven years, but there's no lifting strap to get the battery out of the, out of the bay that it's in. So, so what you're saying is you really want to be an auto mechanic in your next life. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is I'm, I hear you on the air all the time talking about 
how they're taking away our right to fix cars. Yep, they are. Um, I love the I love the piece on the farm equipment. It really hit home. You know, that's a national security issue. Yep. But but don't you think that we should at least you know, the average guy should be able to change his battery. Yeah, you know you know what, Bob, I think the average guy in, in life and death situations changing a battery, basic filters, I think you guys should be informed about bulletins and recalls on a regular basis. You paid for the vehicle, you paid for the good news, you should get the bad news as well. Listen, you can change that battery, it's gonna take a little creativity to get it out of the hole. There's no reset. Have at it and good luck. I'm running into the car doctor, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. Hey,